0: This is CliffCentral.com Grant, I need to make a critical business decision. We've been expanding rapidly, and my gut feel tells me that we should be investing for growth. But I need to put some financial science behind that gut feel of mine. Don't you have a financial manager or
1: director that can help you with that?
0: But isn't that rather expensive? It doesn't have to be. Why don't you contact the finance team? They're a consultancy that can provide you with a part-time financial manager or director at a fraction of the cost of a full-time resource. Go to thefinanceteam.co.za. Welcome to our business masterclass. I'm Richard Angus, CEO of the finance team, your part-time financial executive solution. Joining me in studio as part of our panel is Leandi Stretter, business coach and guide from Racecorp. Hello,
2: Richard.
0: Nice to have you with us as Thank always. You. Last week, we spoke about managing your receivables, the issues that you need to be considering with Mark Essie, CEO of Debt In. Today, we're going to have a real interesting conversation, and I'm looking forward to this one. We're going to be talking about gearing up for the Internet of Things. Is South Africa actually ready for this? Joining us in studio are our guests, Llewellyn Vance, founder of Evolve Technologies, and Brandon Stott, technical director and solution architect from Evolve as well. Welcome, gentlemen. Hi, Richard. Hi, Richard. Nice to have you guys in studio. So... When we go the Internet of Things, IOT, everybody's eyes glaze over and they go, what are we talking about? So what is the Internet of Things? Who's going to give us a good definition?
3: So I think simplistically as a concept, the Internet of Things can be um, described as uh, the ability to collect data from new or existing devices defined as things. Um, and the ability to take that data and drive new business value, ideas, innovations, and efficiencies on the back of that data. Okay. So it's about
0: data collection and it's about enabling, let's call it better decision-making using using that data. Exactly.
2: Would you say, Richard, also what I've noticed with the Internet of Things is um, opening up platforms for access. So what I mean by that is things like not only is information accessible but um, – And you're also creating an opportunity to access capital easily. Um, You're opening up services, service access a lot more easily. Mm. Um, But it's a super highway and platform where a whole bunch of data collides and is streamed and directed to a particular point, Mm. which is obviously – well, not a particular point, but the big data, which mm. is uh, the fourth industrial revolution.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I saw a, a stat the other day. Uh, somebody posted. They said all the data from – I might get this wrong – 3000 BC to 20,003 2003. So that period, let's call it 5,000 years. And they gave a however many pictorial whatever's of teradata of mm. – of Data we had, and then they said the same amount of data that is produ- was produced in that let 's call it five thousand odd years is actually now produced every two days
2: extraordinary
0: and I looked at this and I went, this is now what what we call officially information overload <laughs> um, but the the thing for me is that that data is there, and it mm. has, and I guess in a way. The data has always been there. Right. It's just never been digitized the way it is today. I mean, the reality is, you know, where your car was parked. I mean, I always love this thing that I have on my phone. Where I park my car somewhere and then this message pops up. It says updating parked car location. And I go, well, okay. <laughs> so, like, I, I, don't, I don't even know how that setting uh, happens. So. But I'm kind of going, Okay, so why does some or why does an app want to know where my my car is right. parked? Clearly, I've got some setting that I've turned on or turned off or done something with. And at some point, if I was to look for look for my parked car when it got swat and wanted to, or wanted to know where my car was parked, if I was in a in a massive shopping centre or whatever, I probably, if I knew what I was doing, would probably figure out how to use this functionality properly. Um, but I mean, yeah, you know, here here's a piece of data. I've always parked my car. I just haven't had the data point of where it is parked, captured somewhere and and made accessible for me and unfortunately I don't know who else to use. Um and, and so I guess yeah, in a way, you know, the data the data's always been there. The event has always happened. Now we've just got more information about the event and what, what what's going to happen. It's not like there's been a massive explosion. Yes, there has been a population explosion, so we know about that. But but by and large, um, accessibility w- to a-
2: that information,
0: accessibility screen. to information is now driving what we do and how we do it. Now, I mean, the, this whole phenomena that we're talking about, this whole data world, how how's that changed how we we operate and, and interact
3: with the world? So Richard I think we we've seen a perfect storm that's uh, a convergence of a few key elements that are really bringing forward the internet of things and as Leandie said the fourth industrial revolution and it's really centered around uh, data uh, and the ability to uh, capture data through telematics or machine to machine devices um, the ability to transmit that data over a lo- low-cost uh, uh, platform. So you've seen your your um, uh, your cost of communication and your options of communication becoming quite uh, wide, and the cost of actually transmitting data coming down significantly. Um, so you have this this combined effect of all of these elements coming together, and we're able to now really. Capture information from things that we used to always just take for granted, or you know, we we kind of left them in the background, and we are able to now take that information, uh, orchestrate that information at the edge, which is essentially at the source of the data. So compute that data at the edge, and then orchestrate that information into the cloud and use that to drive real intelligence or benefits for the user, whoever that may be, whether it's an individual such as yourself with your phone and uh, your, your, your um, map or um, even from an industrial application where the real benefit starts to play out um, by having that real-time information. Hmm. I think the core is that um, previously,
1: as you say, you hit, the nail, you hit the nail on the head where the data was, has always been there. Hmm. Um, what's 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 changed really is now we are able to unlock that hmm. data. I was
0: going to say the the event has always been there. The Correct. data exactly. has always been let's call it non digitized. Correct. And uh, I mean, I always I always use the the example. I had to look with my eyes, and it was the mm. an, let's call it the analog world, mm-hmm. as opposed no. to. You know yeah. the system could look for me it's exactly yeah, going I'd, from analog I, to digital
1: yeah, but I think um what one of the major things we come across um on a day to day basis is that is is quite often the data is digitized mm. it's just bringing it into one central pl- place and making it an internet of mm. things and whereas where it, it, it they they're all in individual verticals and they they are all have their own oem partners and and they are reporting to somewhere, but you can 't do anything with the data now we're getting to a place where there's more open protocols. Um, there's there's platforms that are re- really specializing in in getting all of those various uh, data endpoints on, onto one single place and 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 reporting it through the same sort of pipeline. And again, now you can have actionable and contextualized data because that's uh, and and the contextualized is the really important part. Where yes, you can get an energy meter, for example, mm. get that data, but do you Recently. know when things are on and off? Um, and generally, they're those devices that turn themselves on and off can tell you that, but they're telling it to two different computers. Um, and now with the, um, advent of the IOT side, you can do things like edge computing. Um, and that's what Llewellyn was talking about. Um, where it's now no longer a server that's going to do all the grant work. You rather take the cost of, of having the edge computer computing and rather than the cloud computing. And now you can, um, have the decisions made at the edge and minimize your communications. And you can now have all of these things. You you can really just decide what the best way to do things is. Yeah, Now,
0: you're using some terminology. I mean, you use the word edge computing. Are you referring to the ability to effectively compute and calculate and make decisions, let's call it at the point of presence, where where the data is happening, where my parked car is as opposed to some central… Kind yeah. of cloud-based server, or yeah, or in the something. physical
3: world. In the physical world. So yeah. it's, it's it's interesting. Sorry to interrupt you there, Richard. But you know, I think you know the edge computing bit is relatively uh, still quite new, even within the Internet of Things realm. Mm. So what we've seen is you've it's been an interesting journey playing within this field because you've seen uh, uh, sup- product suppliers, f- their focal point would be their piece of hardware, their platform. Um, which becomes very unsustainable from a scalability perspective. Right. When you have a big property portfolio and you need to look at uh, 5,000 energy meters, you, you don't have an aggregated view. You've seen this convergence where the property owners now say, okay, how do we get all of these different data streams into one interface so that mm-hmm. we can effectively manage our portfolio and overlay the data and have uh, all talking to each other so we can make informed decisions? The challenge is that a lot of the current IoT play has been centered around just pushing as much data into the cloud and then doing your interconnectivity against the different cloud platforms. What we've seen as the new methodology going forward is to really compute at the edge and only send the necessary information into the cloud, which makes it a lot more affordable, number one, as well as a lot more uh, manageable, especially from a agnostic integration perspective. I was going to say, it sounds like... That reality was going to arrive at some point.
0: The principle of throw it all. I mean, and we've seen that in so many let's call it system worlds before, where it's like, give us all the data, and then we go. Actually, no, we just want to, you know, the find key critical elements. I I was I was having a good chuckle there as you were, Brendan, as you were explaining that we're talking about, you know, different platforms and interoperability and things talking to each other. I am of the age where I remember the the times of things called IBM compatible uh, <laughs> yeah. IT, and the biggest joke in the industry was always, <clears throat> excuse me, was always the the comment, you know, everything's IBM compatible, but it's not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was always yeah. like, and I think we, you know, we we we've gone way past those those, those points. Yet we still see the the quirks of, you know operating platforms that don't talk to each other properly mm. and this crashes and that crashes and you know i i for my sins have been a mac uh, been on the mac platform for a while and i think you know i'm used to the level of stability that it, that it uh, that it's given me and then you know i have to interact with other users in other environments and all of a sudden you know Mac to Windows, mm. <laughs> hold on a second. Yeah, we've got some issues. Yeah. Um, and I think we, we we are progressing as from a technology perspective, but I think we we still have all of those challenges of, let's call it, connectivity and seamless interaction around data as opposed to now we're still fighting the application game. Exactly. Um, which has always always been a
1: little bit of a bugbear for me. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely something that really has to be driven hard. Um, but I, I think the the fact that the data is so powerful and, and is something that businesses want so badly, it's quite easy to drive that 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 integration and mm. single system uh, goal. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So just with regards to that, in terms of we've established, we've established that obviously big data adds value, and it's important to be able to harness that value or to harness the information to create value, rather. Um, Quite often, a lot of people don't know what they're looking for. Mm. Um, So how do you get to a point, what advice would you, or insights would you like to share, possibly, with regards to people that are trying to break into this new phenomena, use data to their advantage, and are slightly overwhelmed? What are the the basic points that they need to start looking at?
3: So really, the starting points on any engagement we have with a customer is to understand a few things. One, what is the current pain points that they're experiencing within their business, right. okay, and um, really get a clear view of where is it that they're struggling with real-time business-related challenges. So that's the one thing. The second part to that is to understand how they currently digitize their business. Is there any kind of strategy, digitalization strategy that exists? Most mm-hmm. likely, uh, it's not. You find that everything's fragmented, and they haven't got a very defined strategy on how to really orchestrate and pull everything together. Right. And I think a lot of that can be attributed to where we are in the life cycle or, or, or this emerging market, which really the starting point was connect devices. The second part has been, okay, how do we aggregate that data? And the the, the, the primary approach – uh, that most of the IOt platforms have taken is get all the data into the cloud and then integrate at that level um, I think whats re- what people are re- realizing now is that uh, it 's quite costly and complicated to do it in that mm. in that way. So, you know, we, we have this term that we throw around, the, the edge is eating the cloud and we're going to keep coming back to that. But mm-hmm. really what we've seen as the most progressive players in the market, what, what is happening is they're computing at the edge. So mm-hmm. to come back to your, your question, Leandi, is it's really. Understand the client's need, understand what strategy is currently in place, and it's, it's a, it's a journey. You will start normally with the most compelling need, and you'll find that as you solve that problem, you can go left or right, and really, um, the journey, it's taking that customer down that journey and helping them to, to, to fix that within their, yeah. the business. Yeah, and from a big data and machine learning and all of those, um, those really core
1: analytics aspects, um, that's generally when, um, when clients, as you say, don't really know what they what right. they want to do, um, they know there's a problem. They know there's inefficiencies in the system, but because the system is so large and expansive that it's difficult to pinpoint exactly where the where the in, the inefficiencies are, where the, um, the abnormalities is really what you try to find in the big data side. Um, so, for big data to to take place, at, at, right now it does have to happen in the cloud. You still do have to aggregate that data to um to to process it to that level, um. But then once you know what's op- optimized, that's when the computer the computing goes back down to to the edge. Um. But that being said, the 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 sort of most recent technologies are looking at at the mesh computing which which starts taking into multiple computers and doing that large data analytics and and computing on 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 a distributed network of computers.
2: So the question is do we have enough bandwidth mm. in South Africa?
0: Yeah, I mean I I, I listen to this and I go mm. I can just see the amount of data mind you with with computing at the edge I guess the reality is you're only transmitting what you need. So that now, now just I mean a practical question. I mean I hear the point of computing on the edge and then, you know, in my mind I go, Okay, so you pull through certain amounts of data and information, yes you limit what you transmit, so that's driven by the cost of transmission and bandwidth and all this good conversation. And then I kinda go, Okay, so that old space of you know, back in the day when you when transmission was expensive, you only transmit the the core issue. Then transmission and data manipulation became easier. Then it's like, okay, well, just give me everything and I'll run it, you know, from, and I'll store it. And well, now storage is so cheap, so I can just store everything in case I need it at some point. Mm-hmm. Are we going to go through that cycle again, do you think? I mean, or is computing at the edge yeah, stay as, a, as, a, as an architectural
3: construct? You know, I think it's both. Right. Uh,
1: I think it's a feedback loop where, where it, um, everyone takes into account what their current needs are. Then they figure out, okay, they want to store a bit more in the cloud. <clears> and They figure out maybe store a little bit less. And, and it, it really is um, customer dependence. Mm. Um, and it's often not really driven by, by price as much as um, what's practical. Mm-hmm. Um, and and will you use that data and and of course a data lake is really where you where you want to get to with every client but but as you say it, while data storage is cheap, a data lake is not so um so and, and and the data lake is is your unstructured data and that's where the machine learning can really take place uh, and mm. that it it does depend on what data you have if it's really structured data then you just have a history of data and that's not really um something that's that's valuable uh when where where the the machine learning as i say is is the unstructured data and finding finding the structure later on and mm. um, so a, again i i think it does de- it does depend on the use case um yeah.
3: It varies from from market vertical to market vertical, it, and it depends where the, the, the entity is with their strategy. Um, it's never kind of a one-shoe-fits-all, mm. definitely uh, mm. a combination of things, but the more efficient approach is really uh, mm. driven at the edge, and – it Just depends where the journey starts with the client, mm. um, and we've seen in in the market at the moment it varies i mean we're dealing with some of the big logistical projects or uh, you know it's people that have a big asset base mm. it 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 could start holistically or it could start at a compelling need and solving that problem and then really scaling that solution across the base. Um, and and, and normalising that data before it gets to the cloud.
1: Yeah, it's mm. definitely a, a, a curve as to you, you start collecting all the data initially to figure out what you should do with it. Then you you scale it down periodically um, and and figure out okay, I actually only need this data. Mm. So it's a POC, then a POV, then, then you actually r- wrote it out. I
3: mean, to add to this point as well, I mean, you see the emergence of new communication technologies such as Sigfox, LoRa, um, which really is narrowband type uh, communication protocols. Oh. And what that means is you have uh, uh, packets of data being sent over a period of time, instead of all of the data, mm. so that's really been designed mm. around driving IoT as a, as, as, as as a mm. yeah. play, but it serves a very specific need.
1: Yeah, they they're very small packets of data, um, and and they sort of get sent every uh, sort of few hours. It's it's generally about three or four times a day, and. Mm. Now that's that's why it, you you can't redo really the data lake um, aspect in those sort of technologies. But uh, but again, depends on what you have available. Yeah. Um, if if you have a solid fiber network that you're already paying for, then it goes straight to the cloud. There's no need to spend the hardware at the edge.
0: Mm. Yeah, look, I, mean, I, I also, you know, we 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 sit back and in the South African context, we always think, hey, we've got this we've got this sorted. I mean, I, I have an example of a business where you know they. When asked, you know, so what is the acceptable downtime if we are not online from a system perspective? I got the answer of, oh no, a few hours is fine, day maybe, um, you know, we may, we maybe want our email up a bit sooner, but but we'll cope, we'll cope generally. Now, I had come out of a world of banking with a five nines kind of <laughs> thinking, you know, got to be up ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time. And um I listened to that and I went, okay, I'm not so sure that, that that's a valid statement. Well boy. The first time the um the link the link went down, I tell you three minutes later, everybody was having a frothy <laughs> and it was like we can't work, we can't do anything, this is unacceptable, we've got to fix this, this can't happen again, and I'm like, but guys, you were quite happy to be without this for 24 hours, it's been three minutes, and when I pointed this out, then suddenly everybody was like, no, 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 okay, we're going to have to revisit all of this, and now there's 15k a month spent on a Microwave, you know, a, a microwave link with a fiber, yeah, fiber. Business
3: redundancy. ER in, yeah, with
0: a fiber, and then if all else fails, there's that ADSL line to plug in at the back of the cabinet, mm. you know, oh. just to get it all to happen. So I think we <clears throat> we've moved from a world where it was okay to n- not have that connectivity and data instantaneously available and connected. I mean, uh, in my home, I know. The Wi-Fi is down. Not when I know it. I know it when the kids tell me the Wi-Fi mm-hmm. is down. And and I mean it's 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 like literally, you know, it's like ter- it's like flicking the trip switch, you know, on the house. You know, like the lights go out and like everybody's screaming like within seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, wi is down. The Wi-Fi mm-hmm. is down. Like I didn't notice. Well, they notice very quickly. They're all connected. I mean, I, I think you know, I, I saw the Maslow. Pyramid has now been changed. You know, you had the normal yeah. traditional <laughs> yeah. pyramid. It now has above, uh, below everything else. It has Wi-Fi, and below that, it has battery life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think that that is where we have moved to. As as let's call it as uh, society, we we want to be connected. We have a, a need to be connected, and obviously, as we want to connect ourselves, we want our things to be connected uh, along with that. Yeah. Now. What is the impact? What is this? Ha- the impact of this on businesses out there. I mean, what should businesses be thinking about? I mean, I I think of a number of my businesses where I go, you know, just cl- classic things like I remember the good old days where the guy used to arrive to take the meter reading on the photocopier. Well, nowadays you just plug the copier into the network and it does its thing. Um, I, I remember, and this is now going back, probably. Mm, least 10 or 12 years, one of the things that I was really proud of in my world of banking was I got the guys to move into almost out of the analog world into the digital uh, machine copier space, and I pointed out to them that the copier company could actually monitor the machine and know there was a paper jam before you got to work, and they could fix the problem At 7 a.m., so by 8 a.m. when we wanted to be working, we didn't have to rely on running around and calling people and calling out technicians. And they had their monitoring systems had already monitored and knew what the problem was and what needed to be sorted out. And this is now, I'm talking 12 years back. Mm. Um, And and people back then were quite impressed with that kind of capability. But, I mean, business today, that's just – let me say, standard. If, you, if you're if you not having that level of service and engagement from your your suppliers, you know, the, I mean, I, I've often, in fact, I've sat here on the show. And while I'm sitting here, I get a, a message from a, a provider that provides a microwave link into one of the businesses to say, the link is down. And I'll text somebody and say, um, you know, please check this and that. And they'll come back and say, how did you know? And I'm like, well, the providers are monitoring Twenty four seven, three sixty five, and you know, and, and and people find this quite strange that the things are telling us what's going on. So, I guess my question is, you know, in businesses, what what should our things be telling us, and what does big business? What should big business be
1: expecting? Aren't they? Yeah, I, I think the main <clears> thing is 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 what are the pain points in the physical world that mm-hmm. they have? Um, it's it, it, it all gets down to, uh, I mean, a lot of people in the in, in the industry who try jump into the IoT side of things. They they digitize everything and then they sort of look at everything at the end and they okay cool what are we gonna do with it at the end. Right. Um exactly, so, so there's an overwhelmed uh, space of uh, hoop,
2: we're over, in, over, big data over, but now yeah. we don't
0: know what the hell to do with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. We've yeah, got yeah, we, all the data, we just don't know <laughs> what it tells
1: us. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it it I think what we what we do um is try get the business case sorted beforehand. Uh, and and it's it's something that you test through a POC and and all that stuff, but it's it it's always what what can we solve by having more data, right. um, before saying, okay, what do you have to have more data, and then you can start going into expanding it because you have a gateway there, and 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 it's the the barrier to entry is 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 a little bit um, lower and and all that, but 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 again, it goes back to in the physical world, what do you have there, um, mm. that that can make your life simpler. Mm. You, you, I I love the word making my life simpler because exactly. i think
0: i i think technology has complicated mm. our lives so much that mm. we actually need to use technology to simplify our worlds yeah
3: and that's exactly it right so removing manual processes from your existing business uh mm. and 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 allowing the the um, the, the IoT play to really, uh, self-fulfill on things that were normally managed by a people and human intervention. Mm. Um, as, so that you can really shift your focus to other parts of the business. Um, you want, to and,
0: and I want to just pick up, you, you made a very important part, point there as you said that. So you can shift your focus onto the important parts of your business. Correct. I think often people think, Oh, here comes the technology to take away people's jobs. Oh. And yeah, I kind of, concern, I, and, yeah. and I go, Yes, technology is going to take away the mindless mm. stuff so that your people can do the really mm. nice, interesting things that really help them grow as individuals mm. and make them feel self, you know, fulfilled as individuals as opposed to, you know, Do this to their, you know, move – move. I always use the uh, illustration of back in the days of the army. They used to say the guys used to move a pile of sand from one point to another point to move it back again the next morning. And I'm kind of like, why do we do this in business? And we do
3: it. We do do it. We know this. To give you a practical example, I mean – we, we we see a lot of scenarios where you have these decision makers that are responsible for a specific part of the business, um, and they've got all of these data sets that are coming in, but they're fragmented, and they're fragmented according to a specific asset type. It can be fragmented uh, according to the region. And if he wants to – if he has a budget of $50 million, which he needs to use um, to solve uh, a, a critical uh, pain point within the business – the biggest challenge you'll see is that he cannot make an informed business decision. So he's got all of this data coming in. If he wants to decide how to spend his budget on which challenge he has he has to take all of this data he has to try and push it through an engine okay and hopefully it comes out with something that makes sense and against that he can uh, then decide how to spend his budget but what you op- often find is that the data is corrupted uh, you'll find that the whole exercise of doing that takes about a week to 2 weeks possibly even longer depending how big the data uh, set is and the point is, in, if that can happen automatically, if he can have a dashboard that automatically gives him real time insight and he can then say, okay, do some filter checks and he can make a, a, a clear, concise business decision as to where he's spend, spending his money and why, that changes the nature of the business and it automatically makes it more proactive and less reactive. Hmm.
1: Yeah. And I think one of the major things that, that, that we, um, Really try get businesses to focus on is, is to understand that they need to look at everything through a, through a sort of a fresh lens every time because, um, simple things like the, the classic you call ITS, have you tried turning it off and on? Um, there are guys employed who still have to go do that. They have to go to sites and, and press a button and it works again. And where you can actually just, di- just digitize that quite easily and, Suddenly, having mm. a return on investment very quickly. Mm. Um, so and and but but what what Simple what strategy. happens? Yeah, but what happens is you is you accept that that's part of the that's the nature of the business, and so that's just how it is. Mm. Whereas if you just if you just look at it from an an innovation lens and and um, not accepting that it's the norm. I think that's the important part. Gentlemen, it's been great having you with us.
0: That was Llewellyn Vance and Brett. Brandon, Brenton. Brendan, Brendan, mm-hmm. Brendan Stott from Evolve Technologies. Next up is our business conversation. Stay with us. This is Cliffcentral.com